The role of the educator is advocate. The role of the educator is to research. The role of the educator is to orchestrate. The role of the educator is to co-construct. The role of the educator is to learn. The role of the educator is to observe and document. We are all part of an ongoing story of men and women, ideas intact, who realize that history can be changed and that it is change starting with the future of children. Loris Malagusi, founder of the schools of Reggio Emilia. All right, y'all. So everyone knows that child care is essential. We're some of the most influential people out there. Yet, we are often overworked and underpaid. So how can you work full-time, have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine-tune your skills and grow more in-depth? That's where we come in. These NAPCAST 25-30 minute segments are designed to help you learn on the go, hear another perspective, spark debate, (laughs) heck, even agree with us. But honestly, remind you that you're not alone. We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. Welcome to NAPCAST, a podcast produced by Hilltop Children's Center in Seattle, Washington, on the traditional lands of the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish tribe, and this is episode six, The Role of the Educator. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nick Taronis. Nicky, what do you do? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Glad to be back here recording with you, playing, and just uh, being able to find a groove and reestablish a, a rhythm to this COVID life. <laughs> Hi, all. Nick Taronis. Pronouns are he and him. All right, though. Yeah, this kind of seems like deja vu, um, but much like episode five, we're going to start off episode six where we left off. You know, spoiler alert, episode seven might be the same. Um, and of <laughs> course, if you haven't listened to episode four or five yet, hit that pause button, visit us at our website, www. I almost forgot it for a second. Hilltopcc.com backslash institute backslash napcast. And listen to those so you get the full picture. Um, it's like a three-part mini-series, so you get the full picture. So we'll be referencing some of those portions in this episode. But anyways, so we talked about the image of the child in our last episode, episode five. And I want to shift to the roles we play as educators. So as you heard, we started off uh, and kicked off today's NAPCAST just asking and hearing various educators from the region what they believe their role is as an educator. And I want to hear your thoughts, Nick, on that same question. So, Nick, what is your role as an educator? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I appreciate you capturing those other voices as well, you know, bringing uh, a well-rounded view. And I think the role of an educator is going to be different for everyone in practice and play with children, you know, depending on their context. Mm-hmm. And I think it's safe to say that over time, these roles change and with the sort of ebb and flow with the times in which you live in, the communities you interact with, and the information that you gain and lose. And this concept of the role of the educator is heavily influenced by the image of the child and that you carry with you. And so, like Mike said, and I'm going to replug it, if this is your first time hearing image of the child, go on back 
and check out that episode five. Uh, for me, though, when you had posed this for me to think about, um, and forgive me if I'm too lengthy here and oh, jump boy. in when you need to. <laughs> um, you know, I think the things that I thought about my role as an educator, mm. um, I'm someone who is tasked with engaging and expanding experiences for children to address their wonderments about the world in a way that encourages them to see themselves as thinkers and citizens who can uh, who can influence the world as they grow. And then when I start bring, boiling it down more to my identities mm. and how I bring those as an educator, uh, my role as a male identifying educator is to represent to children, families, and society as a whole the importance of male involvement in young children's lives. Preach. Yeah. And, and this is something, I mean, the, the men in ECE group and the World Forum Foundation, our motto is expect male involvement. Mm. Have that expectation. And, and not, you know, I'll break down this role for uh, as a male identifying educator. I think for children, you know, they're going to come across in the world and during their lives as they grow older, they're going to come across and know and interact with males in their lives. So why not give them positive mo role models at the earliest of their ages, right? Why they don't need to have media influence all the time. Um, for families, it's kind of tied into the societal component, but specifically my role is to, to model balance of caregiving, to meet the needs of children who do need that quote unquote male energy, you know, boys and <laughs> Lately, I found that more and more fathers have been dropping off or picking up, depending on what shift I'm in. Um, and for them, there seems to be a familiarity that brings out a feeling of belonging and similarity to them. And, you know, that con all these concepts behind what we call representation. And so I think when we're talking about representation in early childhood, we also got to think about the gender identity piece. Uh, and then on the broader level for society, my role as an educator, male identifying educator, is to deconstruct unnecessary and quite honestly ridiculous gender roles and really letting people know that this profession is crucial to the development of citizenship. Again, expect male involvement. And then as a male of color who is an educator, that role for me is very multifaceted and layered. Um, again, it's about representing representation, representing my culture, my people's language, and history, and and those are you know several different people that really make up who I am. Um, and this role is also about deconstructing stigmas and reconstructing the narrative about people who like me for children and families, as well as people who look similar to me. Yeah, I'm really, really glad you scaffolded in your identities from educator to male educator to male educator of color, noticing and recognizing how each of those influence um, your pedagogy and how you interact with children and society is critical. And I feel like white people have said this, you know, I've said this before, you know, white people have to do the same and realize that, for example, white is a race, too and your centrality to whiteness, just like your citizenship, your religion, and not just, you know, your Western-dominated religion, but all beliefs, even atheism. Mm -hmm. They all affect how you respond to certain situations. So powerful stuff, man. Great self-awareness. And, you know, honestly, it sounds like I'm rubbing it off on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we have traditionally viewed, I guess, teachers in this, cultures, in this culture as simply practitioners, right? 
you're a practitioner implementing a curriculum designed by some expert we probably never heard of. Mm -hmm. And many of our teacher prep programs are still teaching through this lens. Many of our policies and curriculum in the workplace are viewing teaching through this lens. So my mind immediately went to the educators and the programs out there listening right now who might sort of believe in this perspective we're talking about, right? The image of the child, the role of the educator. And, you know, they're intrigued. You're out there, you're intrigued. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, listening for some reason. You yeah, know, but you're ultimately <laughs> operating within the confines of a system that still believes you're simply practitioners, right? Yeah. So what changes do you think needs to occur in their thinking or perhaps even their teaching philosophy that would shift how they view their role as an educator? You know, which of course will lead to a greater image of the child. Once again, check out episode five <laughs> if you're not familiar about what we mean by image of the child. Yeah, I love the re replug. My definitely showing your marketing skills. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but it's important to call out. And honestly, I think starting there with the image of a child for all educators will help them inform what role they want to they envision themselves in. And one important thing I'd like to call out um, that you brought up is in early childhood. I feel like that there's more of a stigma that educators aren't even practitioners. Hmm. And I think a lot of times we're not even considered educators on the early childhood level, but more as provider service providers or glorified babysitters. Never call us that. (laughs) Yeah. And oh man, the stories I could tell about that (laughs) things I've heard, but I mean, doctors and dentists along with other MDs are are, are considered practitioners in society. Right. But early childhood folks barely garner a fraction of that recognition in terms of paradigm shifts changing up our thinking, educators have got to want it. And I think it was Gandhi who said, you know, be the, be the change you want to see in the world. And I believe this is true for adults who are looking for a change of pace in practice. I've called this out before. I know that a lot of curriculum scripts and big old manuals for certain state curricula can really be daunting for educators and seem like there isn't any other way, but to follow a script. But, from the ones that I've looked at through our state, um, at least at least in our state, that there is a little bit of flexibility in there to kind of meld in philosophies and practices together to try to get at these sort of lofty ideas of role of the educator and image of the child. Mm. And I'd also like to encourage everyone to find or establish a cohort of like-minded people and use this chance to practice reflection, share ideas, inspire one another. I know I always find a sense of strength and rejuvenation in thinking with others as well as being challenged. And, and like you said, you know, there's things that, um, that you, that are rubbing off onto me from you and I hope vice versa. And, um, and yeah, and it's like teaching and learning is reciprocal, right? And we gotta, you gotta engage others to be able to have this change. You know, and we, we've had this conversation before and what I've, what I've taken from you is that it won't fall into your lap, right? You have yeah. to go out there and, and get it. You have to go out there and search for it. But it is out there, right? We promise you that. Yeah. And personally, I started by joining NIAC, you know, or NACI, I don't know, depending on what part of the country yep, you're in, depending yep. how you say it. And, you know, check into their different groups. And what I, what I started to realize for me, was it was a little bit too big. You know, I was making connections, but it, it just felt too impersonal. So I joined our board of WIAC, so the Washington Association 
of, of NIAG, and it felt homier, right? And through my outreach and advocacy there, it, I've really latched on to other communities of practice, to, to other like-minded folks from across the state. And uh, sorry to interrupt, Mike, yeah. but like WIAC is, it's the state subsidiary yeah, exactly. of NIAC, right? Yep. Yeah. And each state might have their own. They should. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, reaching out to them and using them as a as an anchor and really grounded me to be able to to share ideas, to practice reflection, and really just feel like I'm not in this alone. So I appreciate, you know, you sharing, you encouraged me to do that. So thinking back to, to even the beginning of this episode, right? Mm-hmm. You and others viewed the role of educators as, um, what do they say, co-constructors, researchers, um, advocates, documenters, and among many, many others. And I'm curious about those and would love for you to dive deeper in that for us. Hmm. Um, So I guess I'll keep it simple. What do you you mean when you say educators are co-constructors? Yeah. Uh, Well, like I mentioned just a small moment ago, learning is a reciprocal process. And I know for myself, children have taught me a lot and have taught me a lot more about who I am, just being in practice and play with them. And the analogy I've heard many times is that this learning process is like playing a ball game. The child throws the ball or presents an idea. The adult catches it and then sends it back. But the adult could bounce it, roll it, lob it, really anything that's different than just the way it was originally tossed. And in this process, children and adults are constructing the game together. Um, So when we think about co-constructing, we're embracing the idea that we adults are open and ready to learn from the child. And we acknowledge that the child has something to contribute and that they come prepared, ready to be with us and present their ideas. Mm -hmm. And that the learning process is really an even playing field and not so much of a top-down approach. So I think a lot of the times education has taken that, um, oh, this individual is an empty vessel. Let me fill it up with information rather than let me see what's already inside Mm -hmm. this vessel and let's expand it. Absolutely. You know, when you said children teaches you a lot, man, I I think, especially after a day like today, uh, children have taught me just how much I value a glass of wine because (laughs) (laughs) they were a lot today. Yeah. Um, so what what do you mean when you say educators are researchers? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, if you can't, the concept of teaching can only happen if you have some sort of information or some sort of skill to like pass down. And How are you going to know what to pass down if you don't know your audience or, you know, so there's a little bit of research involved in that. Mm. And I believe when we authentically and consistently consider ourselves, the educator, a researcher, we're allowing ourselves to open up that reciprocity in learning. Um, Being a researcher or teacher researcher, as I've come to learn, uh, means to show up ready to inquire more than it is to show up to quote unquote teach. And I firmly believe that learning takes place in these moments of inquiry for both the child and adult. Children are researching all the time through their play and observations, and we can do the same as their educators. I think I said before, um, yeah, just get down and play with kids. You know, that's some of the best research right there is mm-hmm. just doing it with them. So really, to me, in early childhood education, being a researcher is being a 
participant to uncover possibilities and a child's learning. We'll be right back. Hilltop Children's Center is a high quality preschool after school program and professional development institute of early learning and inquiry serving the Seattle community since 1971. Together, we are working with the next generation of inventors, leaders, thinkers, artists, and social activists. For more information on our professional development and community outreach, including workshops, presentations, blogs, coaching and consulting, and of course, this NAPCAST, please visit www.hilltopcc.org. So what do you mean when you say educators are documenters? Yeah. Well, researchers usually record their findings in some way when we think about, you know, when, I, when I'm thinking about this keyword of researchers, I'm thinking of like anthropologists and, and uh, all these ologists, you know, who do things that, um, and I, it, that really are diving deep into uh, research of humanity. And I think education, especially early childhood education, is right there. Um, and so they record their findings in some way. And in this process of reflection and analyzation, it, guide, it can guide us as educators to figure out where to go next. I mean, it guides us in the Snapcast. Yeah, right? Yeah, we have to research a little <laughs> bit and then document it. That's what we're doing is documenting it. Uh, in early childhood education, documentation is a form of curriculum. We create a story of children's play and observations. We make meaning of their experiences. We explore possibilities to expand those experiences and thinking that took place. And most importantly, we share it back with the children and families. And I believe when we reflect back these usually taken for granted everyday moments, it communicates a sense of value to children, that they are valued as a person with ideas and meaningful contributions to offer. Mm. So, yeah, I think documentation is um, and, and the act of being a documenter is someone who it's a way to reflect back the children's learning. Powerful. So the last question I have for you is, what do you mean when you say educators are advocates? Yeah. And we talked about this, I think, uh, on, uh, I forget what episode it was, but. It's all a blur. What is time anymore? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but viva la revolution. Yes. Um, and I think, well, you know, we spend copious amounts of time with society's future citizens. And what we see and experience in our separate yet very connected worlds or societies is reflected through what our experiences with children are. And we're going to see unjust disparities for children in communities that are not invested in. And we're going to witness children living lives that we consider a right for every child, child and adult. So it's a task for the educator to call this out and champion for the rights of children and families we should embrace the idea of being allies for the people we serve to make sure the institution we're working in is one that isn't simply perpetuating systems of inequity. I'm going to let that sit for a while. The road to knowledge is always under construction. It's why we have, so to speak, adopted a constructivist approach to teaching here at Hilltop. And I like to think that we're not just like a childcare space. We're in the business of creating lifelong learners. Yeah. Through word. 
an active through an activity centered play based mm-hmm. nurturing program, and I also imagine that takes quite a bit of negotiations with children. Oh yeah. So, with the role of the educator in mind, how is power and control shared in your learning environment? Yeah, and you know the uh, biggest thing that always comes up, especially as a toddler teacher, is this idea of controlled chaos. Because, mm. yes, there's a lot of things that are chaotic, and, and there's beauty in that, in just the random things and, and the sort of, quote-unquote, uncontrolled happening. Um, and I believe everyone who enters my classroom, toddlers to adults, has something unique to offer the environment. The environment is not just the materials that are available, mm. but it's also the sensory and the emotional environment. And we all have wells of knowledge that are to be tapped into and reflected in with the environment. And with that in mind, I experiment and research and and document um, with what I have experienced to be successful for toddlers. And I try to see how that jives with the children in the classroom by doing a little bit of tinkering here and there. Um, And from their play or lack thereof, and sometimes they'll just straight up tell me, um, I can just pivot and readjust you know sometimes a kid will be like uh yeah i don't like this toy it's not fun and so i gotta figure out something else or they'll just be like is that it (laughs) like i've gotten that a lot and that's you know that honest truth that tells me okay time to pivot and when when doing this i try to make sure the classroom is classroom environment is responsive to their needs and always communicates a sense of yes dude in our last episode we made the connection between children's rights and the image of the child. Mm-hmm. And we basically came to the conclusion that to have one, you need the other. They are, all right, I, I always mess up on this word, but inextricably linked. I think I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> so when I think about your role as an educator, I think about how you show up in the classroom. But it doesn't talk about the image of the educator. So my last question to you is, what do or what does educators deserve? Man, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a powerful question. And, you know, and again, I think that's going to be, that's going to be, the answer will be different for everybody. And what I'm hearing is kind of like with children, the image of the child is the rights of the educator, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing that pops into my brain is that educators deserve to be respected, taken seriously, and trusted. Educators also deserve to be at the table of policy and standard making, like but like real educators, like like myself yeah. and and the Latino woman who's been in the in the field for fifty years, and the family child care home provider, and especially the family child care home provider like all these people who are actually on the ground doing the work who know what is what who know what's up with their communities they need to be at the tables of policy making and standard making because they know their communities the best they know how they're going to be able to achieve said standards um educators deserve to be heard and seen as movers and shakers for the health of a community and really as a society as a whole so we have a high image of the child now in episode five. And we have the role of the educator in episode six. So in episode seven, I guess the only thing left to talk about is families and communities and the role they play. Yeah. 
how this all comes together. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thank you, man. I love doing this and being in this, in this space with you. Same here. We have one shot at being kiddos before the bills, before the dramas, before the responsibilities. Let's make sure we give them a joyous one. Until next time, y'all. Adios. Hasta luego.